Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's a fluffy old metaphor, but it's true that we are all on a path of some kind. If I was to ask you what path are you on, how might you respond? You might think about a goal, a destination. You might think about not being on the correct path. Instead, you might think about where you've come from, how you started. You might be trying to work out which fork in the road to take. Paths open up, trail off, disappear, some feel pre-written, some are laid down, fought for, by us, by others. So maybe it's a useful metaphor, but is it more than a metaphor? Humans think in lines. We are a line-making species. We follow lines, often using them to think into the future. The world would be a chaos without lines. Lines help us to live coherent lives. We use lines to weave, to make ropes, to thread and to sew. We use lines to navigate the seas using the constellations. We use lines to plot on grids and plans. We make roads and paths. We fly, we draw, we paint and of course we write symbols, letters, words and sentences in lines. So lines, like pathways, point us somewhere. Sometimes metaphors, like lines and pathways, are more than just abstract ideas. They borrow from one thing to help us understand another. They mirror the world. Metaphors can structure our experiences, orientating us in space, helping make sense of things. A battle of minds, a weak point in an argument, that boosted my spirits. His mood sank. She's on the wrong path. We evolved in a relationship with our environments and as such it has a direct effect on the way we think, how we think, its possibilities and its limits. Our mind, after all, is matter. So, can we change our minds by changing our environment? 
Despite spending 99% of our evolutionary history outdoors, we now spend 93% of our time either indoors or in vehicles. To add another twist, studies have consistently found we're almost always happier outdoors. And in 2008, we crossed a new milestone. The majority of the planet now lives in a city. There are a lot of studies to back up what we know is pretty obvious, that this can be harmful. In one study of 400 Londoners, life satisfaction fell by 0.5% for every extra 10 milligrams of pollution in their area. In another study of 2,000 men, environmental noises like traffic of 50 decibels led to a 20% increase in hypertension or high blood pressure. Another study of 5,000 adults found that a 10 decibel increase in noise at night resulted in a 14% rise in hypertension. Other studies have found things like being in a school near an airport leads to lower scores on things like reading tests. Sound is our primary sense for alerting. It causes autonomic, involuntary bodily responses. The raising of the heartbeat, the twisting of the neck, the tensing of the muscles, the shifting of the eyes. It's associated with the release of cortisol, that fight or flight mechanism. The neuroscientist, Robert Sapolsky, has pointed out that it's micro stressors that can build up over time into chronic stress. In the office, does constant distraction have the same effect? We're either sat at a desk performing a task on a singular path, or we're distracted by all of these other paths around us that we're not on, but could be. What changes when we get outside onto a different path? Walks in the forest have been found to decrease cortisol levels by 12%, blood pressure by 1.3% and heart rate by 6% for days and days after. Studies have confirmed that being in nature reduces anxiety and improves mood. One experiment took 120 individuals and showed them films of accidents in workshops. The researchers measured things like sweat levels, heart rates, blood pressure, then showed one group scenes of nature and another urban scenes. Those who were showing the scenes of nature were back to their baseline in five minutes, whereas those watching urban scenes were only partway back ten minutes later. Another studied groups of businessmen hiking in the woods for a few hours each day. It found that immunity-boosting white blood cells were 40% higher after the walk and still 15% higher a month later compared with those who didn't go on the walks. The scent of oil from Hinoki cypress trees has also been found to increase those white blood cells too. Other studies have shown creativity improvements by up to 50% sustained three days after hiking. The smell of pinene has been shown to lower our heart rate and blood pressure. Hospital rooms of windows looking out over nature led to patients needing less time to recover. Housing estates with views of nature have less crime. One study of 40 million people found that those who live in greener areas have lower death rates. Across Europe, 
while 60% of work-related health issues are physical, bad backs, etc., 14% are now psychological, attributed to stress, depression, anxiety, and so on. The Finnish have a phrase for it, burnout syndrome. Now, all of this is quite intuitive. It's no surprise that a good walk is, well, good for you. The more interesting question is why. Of course, nature isn't all birdsong and flowers. It's dangerous, can be stressful, capricious too. But reminding ourselves that we are part of nature, it might be that the natural world holds clues about the mysteries of how and why humans think in the ways that we do. And it might help us to think differently. First, there might be some obvious reasons why nature might be associated with well-being. For example, you might need time for recreation, which is associated with leisure, so you're more likely to have that time in the first place. You also need more money to live next to a park or a nice area. Walking improves your cardiovascular fitness. Fitness is associated with well-being, so fitter people might already be happier. But I think there are some more interesting philosophical and psychological reasons for the change too. And they're the reasons we're interested in now. It's not just about feeling good, but in thinking in a different way. First, there's the simple difference between what we're doing indoors and outdoors. The brain has two modes. They're called the executive mode and the default mode. The executive function is office mode. It's paying attention, usually through the prefrontal cortex, to tasks at hand, thinking through something, putting the pieces together, intense concentration, resisting compulsion, reasoning, logic. It's also difficult. It's a strain. We're actually not that great at it. It's very methodical and slow. It's tiring, which is why spacing out feels good. It's also very narrow, as in we fade out what else is going on, our surroundings, the radio, conversation, and we focus on one thing at the cost of everything else. In other words, we're on one very specific, narrow, difficult path mentally. Of all the things in the universe we could be attending to, we're attending to this thing, a single thread of concentration, important maybe, but singular all the same. Then there's the default mode. Default mode kicks in when we're not using executive mode, but when we get tired, when we're not doing something specific, when we're chilling out. You cannot be using both modes at the same time. Default mode is meandering, daydreaming, sometimes random and chaotic. Takes us down surprising, interesting and different and creative paths. The late 19th century psychologist William James had a beautiful way of describing it. Most people probably fall several times a day into a fit of something like this. 
The eyes are fixed on vacancy, the sound of the world melts into confused unity, the attention is dispersed so that the whole body is felt, as it were, at once, and the foreground of consciousness is filled, if by anything, by a sort of solemn sense of surrender to the empty passing of time. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Our default mode is fascinating because on the one hand, it seems to be wild and untamed pulling us away from the task at hand, away from discipline and purpose, away from the present moment. But on the other hand, it could be the source of something more. Sometimes it's difficult to see the path you're on when you're on it. And there's a modern tendency to believe in a singular path that we keep on treading down, continual improvement steady progress, a single linear destination. This mirrors the way we've understood history in the modern era, a linear progression towards technological, political and industrial improvement. We just need more, more productivity, more wealth, more scientific facts, and all will be well. Charles Dickens satirised this view in the opening pages of his novel Hard Times, his character, the teacher, Thomas Gradgrind, proclaims that Now what I want is facts. Teach these boys and girls nothing but facts. Facts alone are wanted in life. Plant nothing else and root out everything else. You can only form the minds of reasoning animals upon facts. Nothing else will ever be of any service to them. And this is the principle on which I bring up these children. Stick to facts, sir. What we tend to forget is that this idea of a singular, rational, logical path, working away with our executive office functioning, isn't just singular, rational and logical. It's also what philosophers call contingent. It's accidental. It has particular causes. It's the product of certain values, beliefs, cultural ideas, motivated by wider sociological contexts, ideologies, change, economics, other people. The singular mode of thought is totalitarian, but paths are multiplicitous. So what does it mean to change those pathways of firing neurons? There are plenty of studies that show that nature not only makes you feel better, 
It makes you think differently. Some have found that people walking in nature ruminate over negative thoughts less, which is a change in a way of thinking. In another, researchers showed one group of people scenes of nature that were simple, flat and predictable, while showing another group scenes of nature with winding paths, unpredictable landscape and obscured scenery, scenes that evoked a sense of adventure and mystery. The latter group remembered the details of the scenes more successfully. In other words, exploration activates parts of the brain, a change in the way of thinking. Walking also gets you into a flow state, a state that's an odd combination of default and executive functioning. One thought easily follows another in a state of deep absorption, a change in a way of thinking. Psychologists Rachel and Stephen Kaplan have argued that nature can be restorative when we are fatigued from too much attention. They call it attention restoration theory, and they've shown how nature provides the gentle but not too over-engaging stimuli required to be gently distracted from your own conscious thoughts, creating a relaxing internal mindset. They call it soft fascination, when attention is held by gentle stimulation, that there's something about those rolling clouds, the sound of a stream, the green of the hills, the movement of leaves, that allows a person to reflect and introspect in a restorative way. All of this adds up to what we all really know. In a rut, get outside. So many of our great minds agreed. Nietzsche said all truly great thoughts are conceived while walking. Beethoven said the woods, the trees and the rocks give man the resonance he needs. Rousseau said there is something about walking that stimulates and enlivens my thoughts. He wrote I can only meditate when I'm walking. When I stop I cease to think. My mind works only with my legs. And writer and architect Frederick Law Olmsted wrote in 1865 that nature employs the mind without fatigue and yet exercises it, tranquilizes it and yet enlivens it, and thus, through the influence of the mind over the body, gives the effect of refreshing rest and reinvigoration to the whole system. So there's a gentle changing of pathways that you can get from being outside, but there can also be an extreme change of pathways too. The 18th century politician Edmund Burke wrote an influential treatise on that feeling we get when we see something fantastic and awe-inspiring, a towering waterfall, an imposing mountain, a stormy sea, a snowy landscape. The sublime. He said, the passion caused by the great and sublime in nature, when those causes operate most powerfully, is astonishment. And astonishment is the state of the soul in which all its motions are suspended with some degree of horror. What is this astonishment and why horror? The sublime, he says, is our sense of awe over the power that something seems to have 
over us, our sense of comprehending it, of understanding it, our sense of being insignificant in the face of such vastness. Emerson wrote, standing on the bare ground, my head bathed by the blithe air and uplifted into infinite space, all mean egotism vanishes. I become a transparent eyeball. I am nothing. Researchers have found that people who have watched all inspiring videos are more likely to then help them pick up pens that they pretended to drop. In other words, they become kinder. Experiencing the sublime has also been shown to lower stress markers. All might be able to put us into a mode of thought that is more reflective of the whole, of the interconnectedness of all things. So we need to return to the question, what's at the root of all of this? The neuroscientist Antonio Damasio has influentially argued that we think with our bodies as much as with our minds, that we feel sensations, emotions, effects on our bodies, the pressure on the feet, the photon on the eye, the quickening of the heart, before we think. He says, feelings point us in the proper direction, take us to the appropriate place in a decision-making space where we may put the instruments of logic to good use. In other words, the mind is larger than the mind because, quote, it's neurally connected to almost every nook and cranny of the remainder of the body by nerves. He continues that if body and brain interact with each other intensely, the organism they form interacts with its surroundings no less so. Their relations are mediated by the organism's movement and its sensory devices. There's a form of therapy called horticultural therapy. Speech therapy tries to get a patient talking after something like an accident or an illness. A speech therapist shows a patient an apple and says, apple. But a horticultural therapist takes the patient into the garden where they can feel the earth, taste, hear, see the movements of the apple tree. This sparks memories and is a much more effective way of doing the therapy. I think this tells us a lot about how the brain works. When we're trying to work through an argument, build a presentation, write a letter, finish or start a project, think through a problem, whatever it is, if you have a block, a frustration, even if you don't, switch up on as many pathways as possible, physically, mentally, neurally, sensory, Feel, touch, smell, move, and then the corresponding neural pathways will switch over too. We feel thought as much as we think thought. Thought comes through feeling, through the moving of legs and the beating of the heart. The senses, sensation, provide the raw mechanical movement that puts motion into thought, that fuels thought. Each sense can bring a different perspective firing the neurons and combining neural pathways in new and different ways. So if your thinking is flat, find a hill. If it's grey, find green. If it's silent, find the gentle notes of rustling 
or birdsong, the smell of piney, mixed powerfully with memories and dopamine, get outside and think. Thank you to all of these incredible Patreon supporters. These videos take a long time to research, write and make. I do a lot of reading. They're always sourced and there's a bibliography in the description below. I've written something short on why I think this kind of well-researched long-form content is worth supporting. It's through the link below too. If you agree, then you can support then and now by pledging anything from a single dollar per month and get your name in credits, access to scripts early and become a member of the Discord server. If you can't do that, I know everyone says this, but please do subscribe, hit the bell, like, leave a comment. These things help with the algorithm so, so much. I'm also trying out a newsletter. I'm going to distill and summarize each video into a quick, easily digestible email for those who don't have time or want to recap, along with some related insights. Sign up below. As always, more than anything, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time.